It's good to see everyone this morning. Thank you for being here. Uh, Seth Green is here today. Seth, where? I can't hardly see where you're at. I know you're here somewhere. And Seth is a young man that we've been praying for. Uh, he was, uh, uh, you know, in an a accident. They didn't know who's going to make it or not. He's been in the hospital in Shreveport. And, uh, but he is here today, and we are glad you're here. We've been praying for you, brother. And man, to see you up and out, that's awesome. Amen. Uh, it's good to be here, church family. It's always good to be home. Uh, I was in uh, Washington, D.C. for the inauguration uh, a couple of weeks ago, and uh, a lot of people said, man, how was that? And, you know, as a, somebody who uh, grew up loving history and, and loving our country, it was uh, such an honor to be there. And they said, well, was it dangerous, you know, for you? And I said, well, the, you know, the most dangerous time I had, the scariest time I had, I was in Starbucks uh, waiting in line for coffee, which is always scary. Uh, and there were three ladies standing in front of me, and I had a, a bottle of water that I had drank about half of it. And I've got this trick knee, my right knee, and it pops out of joint every once in a while. And it usually happens when I shift my weight. That's subtle, you know, you know, not big things anymore like basketball and all that stuff. I mean, just, <laughs> just a weight shift. And so I shifted my weight, and it pops out. When it did, instinctively, I reached to grab it because it's painful, and I slung water all over these three women in front of me. And I couldn't say anything because I was like, oh, and I had the water on them, and they looked at me like I was insane. And when I finally got my voice back, I was like, I am so sorry to drench you guys. I got a bad knee. And then they felt sorry for me, and then I thought, what an old toot I've become that I can't even stand in line. So the whole thing was both dangerous and depressing. Well, I've, been hurt. I've been hurt on different occasions, but never just standing in line. Standing in line. It's the most happen. dangerous thing that happened to me these days. Well, if you, if you don't watch this edge here, it can be a lot worse. I know. It's, it's uh, a long fall from up here. We've got you up high nowadays. Uh, I'll tell you, we have been in this series called Renewed Commitment, and we started with, about, uh, with our elders actually all on stage up here and, and having a, renew, a renewed commitment ourselves to you, this church, as well as as, of course, most of all to God about our job because we want to do the best thing we can in helping each other grow. And it's a humbling thing and it's a, uh, something that's always on our heart and our mind, but we also want to challenge our church. And so we talked about renewed commitment to service and about what that means being involved in the service of here of our local church, as well as we talked about commitment to discipleship. And then Trent last week talked about commitment to the future. And, and passing that uh, message on from generation to generation. Today we're going to conclude this section by talking about our renewed commitment to, to sound doctrine uh, and our value system. And there was a, I don't know if you guys had a chance to see it. I think there's some out in the foyer if you hadn't read it. This is our World Radio News um, newsletter. It goes out, I think it's once a quarter. And uh, th- it was fantastic. It came in the mail to the house, which is how I get mine. And so at first, you know, I didn't have a chance to read it. We we're busy this week. And so as, as I was preparing uh, for our lesson, I read this cover to cover. And it's talking about, of course, our, our world radio, uh, along with our missions, along with uh, our relief work and several other things that we're doing around the world, kind of coming under one head. Uh, and the guys are calling that one kingdom now. So it's explaining that uh, and sort of as they look to the future of our mission work here at White's Ferry Road. But what I love what the guys did um, that, that put this together is they looked at the past 
And they paid homage to the great legacy that we have to be able to do missions all over the world. And so in here, there's a great article about Alton Howard that, that Mary and Corey took part in. There's a great one in there for Carl Allison that Dirk, his son, and uh, also Summer, his, his granddaughter, wrote. And then Zach did one on Bill Smith. And then they, they ended the uh, thing by talking about Dad being converted uh, because of the work of those guys and Bill in particular and how that's changed our family and our dynamic and where we go as a family. And so as Mike and I were talking about this this week, I said, Mike, this is, I mean, this is exactly why what we're talking about today as we culminate this renewal series, this is exactly why it's so important. These are the same men and their wives that shaped and mentored us and taught us what sound doctrine was all about, that kept us focused and kept us on track. And now, even though they're in heaven, uh, you know, awaiting the rest of us or the Lord's return, we continue to do to preach that same message and to build up this church and to reach the world. That's why it's important to always have that solid foundation to come back to. I was reminded of the passage in Hebrews where he says, remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of the way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. So in your Christian walk, who do you remember? Mm. Well, who's the one that spoke life into you, that gave you the gospel, and then continued to grow uh, you? And there may be many, uh, many men. I know Alan and I were talking about how blessed we were to have such great mentors uh, and teachers around us so often. And, and uh, those guys challenged us. And I, I think back of all the different guys uh, from uh, Bill and Carl and Ray and others that have uh, mentored me, and uh, and God gave me a lot of mentors. And I don't know if he just looked down and said, you're going to need a lot of help, or what it was, <laughs> but I have been so fortunate and blessed to be around such great men who not only gave me information, but poured their life into me and, and also challenged me to continue to study, continue to look at the Word of God, continue to grow. And, and so, I mean, just think for a minute, who comes to your mind? When you think about who spoke the word of God to you, if they're still around here, tell them thank you. Make sure you give glory to God for God putting them in your life at just the right time. Mike and I had the uh, great honor and privilege of those guys that were featured in this uh, issue of speaking at their celebration, um, homegoing services that they had. And each one meant something so special to us. And I was thinking about uh, Bill Smith, who mentored uh, me for much of my life, along with Dad. And uh, I can't help but, you know, think about the message I gave that day was that what would, what would Timothy say if he got a chance to speak at Paul's funeral? You know, his mentor and what he meant to him. And so when I, when I look at that relationship between Paul and Timothy, uh, this, this word sound doctrine continues to come up. And I want to share a couple of passages with you today. The first one is from 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 2 and 3. And this was Paul, the, the preacher, the evangelist, speaking to Timothy, the young evangelist uh, to be. And here's what he told him. He said, preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. In other words, that's all the time. Correct. Rebuke. But also encourage and do this with great patience and careful instruction for the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. So even when he was saying that in Timothy's lifetime, he was going to see it. Are we in a, some of those days now, you think, where people won't put up with sound doctrine? 
still here, right, all these years later. And listen to what he told Timothy in 1 Timothy 1, because the other was preacher to preacher. But this is, this is for all of us. Even though the message was to Timothy, this is for you and me and everybody else, whether you preach or not. He said in 1 Timothy 1, verse 8, we know that the law is good if one uses it properly. In other words, nothing wrong with law itself. It just is what it is. We also know that law is made not for the righteous, but for the lawbreakers, the rebels, the ungodly, the sinful. And he lists this whole list of sinful people. The law was never meant for the righteous. It was meant to show what unrighteousness means. It was a line. Here's the way you should be. Here's the way you should not be. And when that line is crossed, there's no way back across. That was the law's purpose. But then he says, and after all that, whatever else, so now we got something different, is contrary to the sound doctrine that conforms to the gospel. I love that. So you got the law, which we're not talking about, but we've got this sound doctrine that conforms to the gospel as it concerns to the glory of God. So here in this idea of sound doctrine, what we today would probably call value system, is something very important for us and also important that it conforms to the gospel of Christ. You know, growing up uh, uh, in, the, uh, in a conservative church in the South, I always believed that the Bible was the word of God. I was shocked to find that there are actually religions and churches uh, around our country who don't believe that the Bible is the word of God. Uh, you know, they, they think it's historical. They think there's some good things about it. They don't believe it's the inspired Word of God. And then you've got from there all, all the way to the extreme of churches who call themselves churches who don't have any Bible at all. I don't know if, you've, if any of you have been watching any of the uh, uh, documentary thing on the Church of Scientology. You've seen some of you been, have seen some of that kind of stuff. You'll hear much mentioned about Bible, do you? Or about God or about authority of the Word. And because uh, anybody can call themselves a, a church, but to be someone who stays within what Paul calls this sound doctrine. Then the church I grew up in, sound doctrine meant, uh, well, you always knew you didn't have sound doctrine if you did something at church that you never did before. Then you weren't sound anymore. That's all I knew. That's, what all, that's the only thing that communicated to me. Was if something happened different, then everybody said, I'm not sure about that. That's not, I'm not think that's sound doctrine. Well, uh, the, but the definition of sound doctrine in the Bible, doctrine is simply the word for teaching. It's, it's, it's the teaching that was going on in this particular case, in this verse, teaching that was causing people to form themselves, which all teaching in the Bible is going to eventually do, to look like Jesus Christ. And this sound teaching... We get the word sound, it's out of the Greek word where we get our word hygiene or healthy. It's healthy teaching that conforms to the gospel, and as that happens, God is glorified. That's the sound teaching. It's something that nourishes my life to where I not only believe, I'm also acting different than I used to act. That's what sound doctrine is. Unsound would be anything that deters my spiritual healthiness. Something that takes me away from that. And so when you see, when Timothy's uh, taking all this sound doctrine information, it's teachings that he, Paul's given him to give to a church to say, stay on track, and this teaching is going to make you look more like Jesus than you did before. That's what sound doctrine looks like. 
And so we wanted you guys to sort of see what our sound doctrine and, our, and what our vision is and our value system is. On the back of those prayer cards you got earlier, uh, you see ten things that are listed there. They've been there every week as we've prayed through this series. And by the way, we've been praying for a month that God would give us the vision we would need as we go forward. And so when you look at those, uh, Mike and I sort of broke those into basically three different areas. And, and that's what we want to talk about today is, is a commitment, if you never have committed, or a recommitment to the value system that God has for us. That's sort of a, a newer word for this idea of sound doctrine, but it means the exact same thing. What, what do we value here? And you notice right off the bat, of course, it starts with those things that are between us and God. Because that's always the best place to start. God and I, we want to have this thing right. So where do we start with that? Well, we start with the gospel of Jesus, the good news story. It is the core of who we are. And everything conforms to that, just like Paul said. So everything is an adhesive around the gospel. That's who we are. That's what will never change. That's who, what the message we will always teach and preach. It is the life-changing, salvation-giving message of Jesus. And the message is very simple and straightforward. God looked down and saw there was no way to have a relationship with us because we had broken those laws that he said were put there for the ungodly. We were, we are the ungodly. And there was no way for us to get back to God. So God said, there's only one thing I can do. And I've thought about this even before I created man. I will send down myself in Jesus Christ. He will become a man, even though still he will be God as well. So he's a hybrid deity and man. And he came to this earth and he walked and lived a flawless life. He never sinned. So therefore he was the perfect sacrifice as a man. And he was also God. So it was big enough to cover all men of all times, everywhere and women. And he allowed himself to be nailed to a cross, beaten to a pulp, to show how bad and ugly sin is and what it takes for God to have to, what he has to do to save us. He was taken off that cross. He was put into a tomb. And the greatest moment in human history happened when he walked out of that tomb. You know why? Because the tomb, therefore, no longer has a hold on us. Not only are we cleansed from our sins, but we don't have to die and stay dead. We will live again because of Christ. And when Jesus came out of that grave, he said, look, I got work to do for you in heaven. And so he appeared over 500 witnesses and then he went back Superman style to heaven. And he said, when I get to heaven, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be at the right hand of God. I'm going to be your mediator. And everything that happens between now and when I come back is covered by my blood. And, but he said, I'm not going to leave you alone. Do not fear. I'll never leave you alone. I'm coming back to get you. And that's when the party really starts. That is the core of who we are. It is the beginning point of our values. And because we uh, put our faith in that gospel, uh, the, the, the end result is not only, not only we, us receiving the grace of God, but God receives the glory. We don't do anything to earn this thing of salvation. We're simply responding to a message of grace, and God's grace takes care of us. And who gets the glory? God does. Always. If you remember in that First Timothy passage Alan read, it said that this God that blessed us, a blessed God. Mm-hmm. That this message has been entrusted, Paul said to him. It's been given to him. It's valuable. And he shares it with other people. And God receives glory in it. And as, as that happens, the role of what God's Word says plays a part in our lives. So Scripture is very valuable to us. Mm-hmm. 
Now, scriptures, we talked about this sound doctrine or teaching, is things that, that it's alive, the Hebrew writer says. And it cuts us to the heart and bone. It, it takes us in a direction. It grows us up to be more like Christ. Now, there's a time, the Hebrew writer says, when, look, you've had some milk here, but it's time that you have the meat of the word and move on and grow up, right? You can't just keep staying like an infant all the time. And uh, uh, because immature people cannot mature other immature people. If you don't think so, uh, just put a uh, third grader in charge of the third grade and see how it goes. It doesn't work real well, you know. And so there's this growing up that takes place and there's this teaching that takes place, continually learning more about how God wants us to live. I want to remind us of a verse in 1 Timothy 4.16. Paul tells Timothy, watch your life and doctrine closely. Continue in them. Some versions say persevere in them. Because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. And he warns Timothy, don't get caught up into wrestling and wrangling and arguing over words and over, over ungodly chatter and all that kind. Of, don't get caught up in that, he says. But you stay with things that are going to keep growing. These people. Watch your life and watch your teaching because you're teaching other people and you're, taking, you're giving them something that's nourishing to them, that's healthy, that's growing them up to look more like Christ. Now look. In terms of the message of salvation, the message of the gospel is for the simple, uneducated, poor of this world. And if your message isn't that simple for folks like that to understand, then you've got the wrong message. That's right. Because that's the way the, look, they didn't, weren't turning in the Bible explaining scriptures in the New Testament. They didn't have it yet. Yet they turned the world upside down. With the story of Jesus and what he had done for them. Got it? That's where we start. Now, there is a need to keep studying God's Word. I love our class that's going on uh, in Romans and some of the other textual classes that David keeps bringing up and keeps going on. We need the meat of the Word. We need to grow up. There's a time for that. But in terms of becoming a Christian, it's a simple message. It's just one beggar telling another beggar where to get the bread of life in the story of Jesus. So God, in his wisdom, as a great nurturing father that he is, sent his son here to offer us salvation, which is a part of our value system. But also, when Jesus left, he said, you're not going to believe this. I know it's hard to believe, but I'm going to send something to you even better than if I stayed. It's called the Holy Spirit. So he told his disciples. So now, those ever since from Acts 2 to today, when you become a Christian, not only is the Holy Spirit given to you as a gift, as a deposit, guaranteeing your resurrection. But it's also a guide. You read Galatians chapter 5 and you see the Holy Spirit guides us and bears fruit through our lives. Guess what? It's the same Holy Spirit that wrote the Bible. As men were carried along by the Holy Spirit, all the prophets and the writers of old, they were writing down exactly what you and I needed in Holy Scripture to go with the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us. It's the perfect concert together in the perfect tune to be able to live for God. That's part of who we are. But you know what? You know what else he gave us? An understanding of grace. Because if we understand the gospel, we understand that we're to worship him and give him praise and honor, and we understand the scriptures, and we know we have the Holy Spirit, but we don't do it with grace, then sometimes our confidence can turn into arrogance. And we think we know everything. 
And then all of a sudden we get self-righteous. And we begin to, begin to compare ourselves to some other group or some other person. That's not what the grace of God was given to us for. It was given to us to be a reminder of mercy and forgiveness. Something that then is extended to other people. So all that power is always encapsulated in grace as a reminder that, you know what, you're no better than anybody else. And it doesn't matter whether you're uneducated or educated. Either one of those embraced in Christ is going to live forever in heaven. That's our goal. That's why I can preach this same thing if I go to Africa or I go to Eastern Europe or somewhere else around the world. I can be right here. I can be at Harvard Yard. And the same thing will impact and change people's lives. That's the power of the doctrine that God has given us. And he didn't just give it to us individually. He gave it to us as a church. That's why our emphasis has been on a renewed commitment. And this, uh, not talking about just individual commitment, but as a church. What are we committed to? And are you committed to this church? To, to, to a bunch of messed up people that God has saved and yet still have the same goal of taking the gospel to the whole world. And uh, I, you know, sometimes I see the bumper stickers that say, I, I love my church. Well, I do love my church. And I'll tell you, you, you'll have to do a whole lot to run me off from here. I love this place. I love the, every person in this church. I, uh, sometimes there's that tendency, well, we'd be better off without them. We're never better off without somebody's talents and abilities that God could use. We're better off having them and with good attitudes and hearts that grow and all of us help each other. But, but we need to love our church. We're a community that need each other. That second greatest command of loving everybody else. That's, we have a message. It says to the community and to one another, we love everybody. And we've got to keep that where it needs to be. Because remember what Paul said? You can do all the great miracles in the world. You can make all the noise religiously in the world you want to. But if you don't have love, it doesn't mean anything. That's right. And how you decide what a true church is is not by the sign on the street. It's not by the style of worship. It's not by any of those things that upset us from time to time as we struggle with things. The way you tell the church is by their love for one another. That's That's where you tell it. That's how you know people are true disciples. And so that's a one anothering aspect of Christianity that has to exist because when the world sees that, they know something about who you follow. So we got these values between God and us, but also between us and one another. That's when you see words like community, service, evangelism. We're always thinking about other people and we're never full. You know, our buildings sometimes get full and say, well, we're full. That's all. We can't take anymore. To put a sign out, no, no, no room here. We're never full. We just start coming more. Build bigger buildings or meet at other times because we're never full. As long as there's one person out there who doesn't know who Christ is, we're not ready yet. And that's what he said about us. But also our value system, you see words in there that are for us to continue to be grow, growing and be disciple. One of those is Holiness. And we know that holiness comes from God, not from us. But God's holiness declares that we participate in the process. Mike talked about Hebrews chapter 5, that milk is there for infants, but food for those who are older and mature. 
And the Bible says we are trained, therefore, to understand and distinguish between good and evil. There's a growth process, even in holiness, as we go along. You know, a two-year-old sees a paper clip on the floor and looks over and sees a receptacle, you know, where you plug in your electric devices and think, you know, that's a perfect fit. I think I'll crawl over there and see what happens. You know why? They can't distinguish that that's dangerous. Don't do that. Those of us who have tried it, we know. I found out this morning that John David Owen did it in the 10th grade. I guess that shows you some people are a little slower than others, right, to develop. <laughs> but he found out as all the lights went out what happens. But that's what he's talking about. And so you put that in a spiritual context. And you understand that you say, well, you know, I, I want to do better things. I want to know more Then you've got to move on from the milk to the food. You've got to move on to those things that God has given you to empower you. And as you empower the spirit, the flesh begins to get less of an influence in your life. But the longer the flesh stays there, the more it works on you every day. So we wake up and say, and if I could just live this day and not do something, say, if I could just live this day for God and let him do something in me, I won't have to worry as much about what I'm not doing, but what I'm doing. That's the power of holiness as we grow in God. So those things and authenticity become the great things for us to be able to share the victories of God and our values with other people. You know, in this thing of holiness, you and I will never... We'll never really be fully used for God if we can't put past unholiness behind us. That's right. Remember old Peter? He's standing around a fire. And he denies Jesus how many times? Three times. And then runs off. And then the resurrection takes place and... And, you know, there had to be that feeling of, I I can't really be used anymore for the king. Even though he didn't quit believing, still at the same time, it's like, what can I do? I better just go back to my old job. Guys, let's just go fishing. Let's just get back out on the boat. I'm familiar with that. And they go out there, and, of course, they don't have very good luck, right? Remember, they're not bringing in the fish. And then they see a guy up on the shore saying, put it in on that side, and all of a sudden they do and boil all the fish. And when they get all of a sudden they get up there on the bank and it's Jesus. You remember what Jesus does? There's another fire that Peter gathers around. And three times Jesus says what to Peter? Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Do you, love, do you really love me? Feed my sheep. Don't you think Jesus knew that in the back of Peter's mind was, how can I ever be used again? And yet when he finally could put that behind him and appreciate the grace and the love, yeah, I'll teach him. Guess who gets to lay that sermon out in Acts 2? And all of a sudden, man, the church just explodes. And Peter goes on to do so many great things for the kingdom. It would have been easy to have gotten stuck in the three things, the three times I failed and denied Jesus and not accept the challenge that I could be used. And some of you are right there. On your mind is the times I failed, not the times 
that Jesus says, do you love me? And you can be used powerfully for the kingdom of God. But it takes you deciding that, yeah, Jesus, I, I, I'm back. And letting go of the unholiness that you can't do anything about anyway. That's right. And embracing the one that can make you holy and useful in the kingdom. But you can't grow it if you don't know it. And so that's what we're here about today. The knowledge of God, the wisdom of God, the fulfillment of God, all those things we read about in the scriptures. It's a process that we commit ourselves to. So we've spent a month, the month of January, in prayer together, praying for the vision of God to be used in us. We spent a month's worth of sermons laying out exactly what we hope to do in the name of Jesus Christ this coming year and years beyond. And so today we get to this idea of our value system and our sound doctrine. And the question now comes back to you. And it's, of course, here to me. Are you willing to commit or recommit to the vision that God has for us in this place and around the world? It's a personal question. Therefore, it has to have a personal look first to you and God, then to your relationship with other people, then to your commitment to be a part of growth and holiness and goodness that God's given us. That's your question today. If you're not a Christian, you've never committed the very first time, and you may not even know what we're talking about. But guess what? Today is the day for newbies and beginners. We're always ready. Today you can obey that gospel that I talked about earlier. You can put your faith in Jesus Christ. Commit yourself to him. Be baptized in this baptistry right here behind us to begin a new walk, but not alone anymore. The Holy Spirit as a constant guide and companion. If you've never done that, today is the day to start. If you've been distracted by sin, by law, by some weakness, by some bitterness, then today's the day to lay it aside. We're calling on the committed of Jesus Christ to answer the call because we've got a lot of work to do. And we need you to be a part of that. If you have any need at all today, I want you to come while we stand and while we sing.